Good morning, witches. This is the Witch Daily Show, coming to you from New Orleans, with host Tanya Brown. Our episodes span about 20 minutes long to give you just a little pop of magic. So, tune in, take a deep breath, and enjoy. Good morning. It is August. Nope. It is September 5th, 2023. It is Tuesday. I am Tanya, and this is the Witch Daily Show. I cannot believe it is flipping September. I can't believe 2023 is almost over. I've never had a year like this. I've never had a year move by so quickly yet be so excruciatingly painful, if that makes sense. Anyways, uh, I don't remember where I was. Today's brought to you by the Swallows. It's storming. You, I think you get the vibe of how this episode's going to be. Anyways, our quote of the day is, this is a beautiful day. I've never seen this one before. Oh, that's really sweet. By Andrea. Dystra. That's a good one. I need to be less pessimistic, according to our quote of the day. So, we are skipping our tea segment this week because I'm in the woods. I'm in the woods. I'm in the middle of the woods right now. And I need a tea break. Sometimes I just need a little break from tea because I get teed out. Uh, but I am my damn. I'm going to share with you things I'm eating. In the woods, I shared with you yesterday my expired cappuccino mix. And something else I am doing is, well, let me give you some background on how this happened. So uh, where I go in the woods, you can pay for them to leave you like a box of food. But it's very pantry-y food. So it'll be like sauce and uh, pasta and then like crackers and candy. And like, I just, uh, my body doesn't do really well with uh, prepackaged food like that. So I typically bring my own food. And once I stayed for like five days and made the mistake of bringing an entire chicken and then grilling the entire chicken. And then I was stuck in my cabin with the smell of chicken carcass because you can't put the trash outside. And they will come get the trash if you request it. But, like, I didn't want to go through all that. So, I, uh, yeah, it was, it was, ugh, it was not good. So, last time I went, I just so happened to have a few things of HelloFresh, which I like to get once in a while when I'm in the mood for it. And I was blown away at how perfect the HelloFresh was for camping. And the reason was all I have is a stovetop. But a lot of their meals are stovetop friendly. But I think what blew me away is because HelloFresh is really meant to be like one or two servings, like two servings, truly. And I was blown away by how little waste I had. Like I had everything I needed. I could make everything. I could make my dish, have enough for tomorrow or for lunch. And just I didn't have waste. I didn't have a whole chicken carcass rotting away in my cabin. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, how have I never thought about this before? So here's the thing. I did look at uh, 
restarting my HelloFresh just to take some to camping, uh, but it wouldn't get here in time. So I decided, and you can do this too, which is why I'm suggesting it, I decided to look up HelloFresh recipes. You can find them all online. And then pick ones that had ingredients I already have because I'm not in the mood to like spend a lot of money and just make my own little HelloFresh kits with uh, this stuff that I already have. And again, just so I have less waste when I'm out there because I really just like to be alone and have peace and I don't want people coming to like take the trash, you know? So yeah, that's my little trick right now. So that's what I'm doing. I'm doing my little HelloFresh camping meals. And that is how I'm doing my dinners and my lunches. All right. Nothing to do with witchcraft or tea, but I just like to, I like food. And I liked talking about it and sharing my feelings regarding it. So anyways, moving into some headlines. This is a fascinating one. And I first heard about this on Vice's TikTok. So I'm excited to share. This is from LiveScience.com. Zapotec entrance to the underworld discovered under Catholic Church in Mexico. A hidden underworld linked to Zapotec, cult of the dead, has been discovered beneath a church in Mexico. So, a hidden entrance to the underworld built in ancient Zapotec culture has been discovered, as I've said three times, beneath a... (laughs) Beneath the Catholic Church in southern Mexico, you guys, according to a team of researchers using cutting-edge sound scanning technology. The complex system of underground chambers and tunnels was built more than a millennium ago by the Zapotec, whose state arose near modern-day, um, what, what is it? Southern Mexico, yes. Um, in the late... 6th century BC and grew in grandeur as people created monumental buildings and erected massive tombs filled with uh, lavish grave goods. The architectural complex at Maitla, which is 27 miles southeast of the location, boasts unique and intricate uh, mosaics, having functioned as the main Zapotec religious center until the late 15th century when the Aztec conquest likely resulted in the abandonment of the site. So the Spanish then reused stone blocks from the ruins to build the San Pablo Apostle Church a century later. Oral histories have long suggested that the main altar of the church was purposely built over a sealed entrance to a vast underground labyrinth of pillars and passages that originally belonged to a Zepotec temple known as Lioba, which means the place of rest. Investigating this claim with modern geophysical methods, the project research team announced on May 12th that they had found a complex system of caves and passageways beneath the church. The project is a collaboration of 15 archaeologists, geophysical scientists, engineer, and conservation experts with the Mexican National Institute of Anthropology and History, the National Autonomous University of Mexico. Wow. That is so cool. Can I tell you I have this fantasy that, like, in a hundred years, people, like, discover some of my work and then, like, like, deem me, like an occult figure. I don't know why. That just seems like, what more can you want? You know? Like, what more do you want in a life? <laughs> like, oh, gosh. 
So they use three non-destructive methods, ground penetrating radar, uh, electrical resistivity, tomography, and some other cool things. Just know. So yeah, they found the chambers and tunnels underneath the church. They thought it was a portal to the underworld. That is so cool. They said these findings will help rewrite the history and origins of Mitla as its development as an ancient site. That is so neat. Oh, oh speaking of like things. So remember a few months ago, I told the story of Jacques St. Germain. It's one of my favorite stories here that I tell in New Orleans. Uh, I was give so I'm getting my tour guide license uh, next month. Fingers crossed. I'm doing all my studying now, but I'm doing like practice tours right now, um, just to make sure I uh, have like my stories down and I'm getting a hang for it um, while I'm learning and reading up on everything and applying for my license. So I had some friends in town and they wanted to go on a tour, and I'm like, well, I don't have a license. I said, but I'm practicing. Um, I will take you on a tour. And, uh, it was really neat. So I think I told you that I was at the Jacques St. Germain house, which is my favorite story and house. And I told them the story, like I told you guys on the podcast. And I said about how there was a cult in his name, but that I'm, I'm not sure if it's still active. I haven't looked into it recently. And one of the people on the tour said, uh, actually my ex-boyfriend is a part of this cult and yes, it is still active. And that was the neatest thing. I was like, oh my gosh, I now have to add that to my, to my stories. You know, I'm very lucky. Uh, I want to say three out of like the eight stops I either have like personal experiences with, or like I know somebody with intimate knowledge of the location and like that's really exciting because one thing about getting tours in New Orleans is you can get like a ton of tours, right? You can get a tour with like eight different tour guides and get like eight different stories because we all have our own um, research that we've done and we all have our own intimate knowledge and personal knowledge and friends who were there when X, Y, and Z happened. And it's just really neat. So when you come to New Orleans, like do not hesitate to get like eight tours of the same locations because you're always going to get a little bit of a different story because everyone has done different research and all this. And I think it's so fun. Oh, I love tours. I love to go visit places and get tours, especially haunted tours because I feel like you get a better grasp of like the history you know and i oh i just love it anyways i'm gonna throw this over to our moon correspondent and after this break we will talk more hello to all of my astro friends this is serendipity the chicago astrologer coming at you with your daily moon mantra for tuesday september 5th the waning gibbous moon moves from sauntering taurus to quicksilver gemini today here, the moon trines Mars and Pluto and conjuncts Uranus. With the Mars-Pluto trine, we may be feeling like anything is possible. And, with the conjunction to Uranus, that just might be true. However, Uranus is lightning in a bottle. It does not strike twice, and it obeys no rules. Once the opportunity presents itself, and it will, you'll need to be ready to pounce. The Mars-Pluto trine will give you the stamina to really get a hold of that chance and follow it all the way. Your daily moon mantra is, you must take advantage of the opportunity of a lifetime 
within the lifetime of that opportunity. This has been your Daily Moon Mantra with Serendipity, the Chicago astrologer, signing off and reminding you that you are in charge of your own destiny. In the Black Mountain region, Full Mouth is a town of women and children. When local mothers start dying, the town is panicked. At first, the citizens believe the deaths are suicides, yet 15-year-old Pearl is unconvinced. Pearl has known visions her whole life, has known the feeling of when the darkness shifts inside her and her power comes to the surface. But having recently moved to Full Mouth, the supernatural is suddenly magnified. She now finds herself able to commune with ghosts. She sees visions of how mothers will die. Relying on these powers, Pearl faces a daunting foe and the responsibility of saving the town. The only question is, will she be too late? Built on history, folk tradition, and witchcraft, The Swallows is a horror novel that explores a small town's connection to the spiritual world and the families that fill it. The Swallows by Kristen Clanton is available wherever books are sold. All right, we are back. So not too long ago on the Facebook group, I posted a post saying, what are just some things that have always confused you or you've never understood about witchcraft and can we kind of tackle it? And we had a response from Lilith that said, the insistence that a deity is required and, um, yeah, basically the insistence that a deity is required. And I was like, you know what? That's a good place to start because we should know, right? Uh, witchcraft is a craft. It's an action. It itself is not a religion, right? So witchcraft can look like all kinds of things. It can um, be in all different areas, cultures, locations. It has existed historically in all different cultures. So this idea that we tell people it has to look like this one particular culture in this one tiny part of the world's witchcraft, I always think is really fascinating. Now, when we get into the religions of witchcraft, traditions, Wicca, um, all these other ones, that is when it does kind of get rule-y because it's a religion. All religions are rule-y. Like, that's the point. That's why you that's why you pick a religion is because you want to be governed by some rules. But witchcraft itself is not a religion. It's just a, an action. It's a craft. It's something you do. Uh, so we tend to see, like, so maybe people who maybe are not hyper aware of this or whatever. They like to mix the two, which I think is very, very, very normal when you're starting out. Maybe you just don't know the difference or you think it's interchangeable, but it's truly not. So there is this kind of thing that goes on where people will say, I've had this happen to me. I just so happen to be surrounded by a lot of people in religious witchcraft. They love to tell me like, oh, like, have you, like, they really want me to, like, worship the goddess. And I'm just like, you know what? It's just not for me, you know? It's just not. But it's fine for you, you know? But let's kind of dig into kind of the goddess movement. And this does stem from Wikipedia. And I think it's very fascinating. So the goddess movement includes spiritual beliefs or practices that emerge predominantly in North America Western Europe, Australia, and New Zealand in the 1970s. The movement grew as a reaction to Abrahamic religions. So Abrahamic religions is going to be like your Christianity, your um, Hindu, I think your Judaism. Um, 
there's more that I can't think of right now, but you know, kind of like those more mainstream religions. So these religions tend to only have gods who are typically referred to by male pronouns. And it uses goddess. So, so the goddess movement kind of happened as a reaction to this. And it uses goddess worship. And it may include a focus on women or more understanding of gender and femininity. So the goddess movement is a widespread, non-centralized trend in neo-paganism and therefore has no centralized tenets of belief. So practices vary widely from the name and the number of goddesses worshipped to specific rituals and rites that are used. Some, such as Dianic Wicca, exclusively worship female deities, but others may not. Belief systems range from monotheistic to polytheism to pantheistic and encompass a range of theological varieties similar to a broader neo-pagan community. Common pluralistic belief means that a self-identified goddess worshiper could theoretically worship any number of different goddesses from cultures all over the world. So based on its characteristics, the goddess movement is also referred to as a form of cultural religiosity uh, that is increasingly diverse, geographically widespread, eclectic, and pretty dynamic. So in the 19th century, some first-wave feminists such as Matilda Gage and Elizabeth Stanton published their ideas describing a female deity, while anthropologists such as Johann Bakoven examined the ideas of prehistoric matriarchal goddess cultures in the Mediterranean region. So that's going to be um, like your Greek pantheon. And uh, there are some post-traditional goddess feminists who claim female theologists are more ancient, having emerged in and around Europe during the Upper uh, Paleolithic era. Um, and it's called the Great Goddess Hypothesis, if you ever want to look into it. And it is said that these theologies were suppressed in the West when Christianity outlawed all pre-Christian religions. And that's kind of the story we hear as witches, right? So, basically, it is believed that uh, the Christian overtaking kind of edited out all the goddesses. Um, and I would say from just my own research and things I've read, I do think that's primarily true. I think there was a much bigger um worship of goddess entities much more before the pre-christian religion kind of takeover so since the 1970s goddess spirituality has emerged as a recognizable international cultural movement in 1978, Carol Christ's uh, widely reprinted essay, Why Women Need the Goddess, which argues in favor of the concept of there having been ancient religions of a supreme goddess, uh, she actually presented um, as a keynote address to um, the University of California, Santa Cruz, and uh, co-edited a classic feminist religion anthology called we uh, Weaving the Visions, New Patterns in Feminist Spirituality. So, I think that when we look at witchcraft, and again, going back to kind of what Lilith was talking about, we do have this belief in um, the kind of great goddess hypothesis, right? That 
people did worship goddesses as well as gods, and that because of the pre-Christian or because of the Christian movement, it all kind of got edited away, and neo-paganism has revived it. Right, has re-found the stories, retold them, redistributed them, kind of editing back in all the goddesses, right? And I do think based off everything I've read over the years and the research I've done, I do think that is most likely the case. And I think where we find issue is, you know, goddess, even though paganism itself is not a religion, it is very heavy in uh, god and goddess worship, typically, you know, because it does focus on the idea of the changing of the seasons. Like that really is what paganism focuses on. Paganism itself is really a focus on how cultures, mainly the Celtic culture, notice the changing of the seasons and how they reacted to the changing of the seasons. And we tend to react very heavily in terms of those seasons because back in that time, uh, changing of seasons was the you know matter of life and death. So there was a big need to please whoever you thought could control life or death. And that's how we get a lot of worship. So paganism, well, neo-paganism really focuses on that time period of people's fascination with the changing of the seasons. That's how we get the wheel of the year and their need to please whoever or whatever we think can, could, can't control life or death. And that's how we're going to get goddess worship and god worship and all the worships right uh so when that came back really hard paired with the wiccan movement and wicca uh tends to heavily focus on a goddess and or god and goddess you can see how witchcraft was kind of deemed this thing that had to include a god or a goddess when in reality, we know that's not true. And the reason people think that is because they are looking through a Celtic lens. They are looking through a neo-pagan lens, which again, hyperfixates on like this really small area of the world, you know, whereas witchcraft exists in all kinds of cultures. It exists in every culture in some way or another. So I'm trying to think of like a non-witch example of this. So it's kind of like saying... If witchcraft is cooking, right? So cooking is just a thing you do, right? If witchcraft is cooking, then like neo-paganism is Irish cuisine and Wicca is English cuisine. And it's like they're trying to put all of the cultural rules around those cuisines on top of all ways of cooking. But we know cooking exists all over the world in many different ways with many different techniques and many different focuses, right? So I think that's kind of how that happens. Um, I'm not going to lie. I, 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 I was completely winging this episode. <laughs> I didn't really know how I was going to um, address that, but I think that's a decent take just based off everything I've researched. And I could be wrong. You know, what can you do? All right, witches. Oh, my gosh. It's uh, definitely about to storm here. I hope you don't think I'm nuts. But anyways, uh, we are wrapping up this episode of The Witch Daily Show. I want to give a shout out to listener Elizabeth or Beth, you opulent, glorious oracle. 
Biafrias, you Arcadian powerful mongoose. Cat J, you dapper scholarly moth. And Amy Sue's, you all. <clears throat> And Amy Sue's, you avant-garde luminous Loch Ness monster. Thank you for so much for being Patreon supporters. I really, really appreciate it. Now, before we leave, we do have a card poll. Our card today is Friends Forever from Dark Magic Oracle. Friends Forever can be a sign that change is ahead for someone you're closest to platonically. Take a moment and consider the people closest to you. How do you feel when you're with them? Happy? Uplifted? Drains? Neutral? Bored? All friendships are gifted to our lives to help us grow. Nurture them, whether that means healing them or honoring them by letting them go. And some daily practices. Carry lapis lazuli with you to strengthen existing friendships. Drink water with lemon juice for clarity of judgment. And nurture a plotted plant of marigolds. All right, witches. That's all I've got for you today. Don't forget any books, decks, headlines, sources. Anything we've referenced today can be found in the podcast episode description or witchpod.com. And we will talk again tomorrow. Bye. Witches. We hope you have a wonderful day. Full of joy and gentleness and confidence. Links for this week's episodes, our website, Patreon, along with a free daily card pull can be found at witchpod.com. One stop for everything we talk about. Now, take one more deep breath and have a great day. <laughs>